This episode is powered by denmeditation.com with locations in Los Angeles that normalize meditation and make it available to all. Though meditation is the primary focus, the bigger goal is for people to understand and love themselves, thus creating more harmony in the community at large. To find out more about Den Meditation's teacher training programs, retreats, and all things Den Meditation, go to denmeditation.com. Hey guys, this is Tal. Welcome back to Den Talks, a podcast that helps you find inspiration from the journey of others. You might recognize today's guest, Sophia Rossi, who started her career as a producer of the TV show, The Hills. Remember that one? She then teamed up with Molly McAleer and Zoe Deschanel to start the very successful website, Hello Giggles. She worked her ass off in her 20s and built that company, and then she sold it in her 30s. Everybody's dream, right? Well, that kind of made her actually start looking inward. Who am I? The company is gone. So she started getting in touch with her Jewish roots as well as practicing transcendental meditation. She's still on the search for what's next. And we really talk about it openly here and how real it is and how it can feel to be floating in a world of no definition. We all struggle with defining from within. And this is a fantastic conversation about how difficult that can be in a world that actually defines from the outside. We're here with Sophia Rossi, a very good friend of mine. I could not be happier that you're here. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. Who co-founded and is the CEO of Hello Giggles, which is a community for women online. And I want to just start there because it's amazing. It's amazing what you've done. Thank you. This is something you started in your 20s, correct? Yeah. In your 20s, basically in your living room. And I want to hear more about the story so you can tell people. And you just sold it to Time Inc. for like $30 million. And you're now, and you can tell us how you're still connected to it. But my point is, and you're still, you're just in your young 30s. That's incredible and crazy and a huge accomplishment. That's a huge accomplishment for anyone at any age. But to do that in your 20s, especially when that's such a difficult time for most people to even figure out what they want to do is huge. So I want to start there. And I'd love for you to even just kind of talk about how it even began and how it started. And the floor is yours. Um, okay, thank you. Um, basically, I didn't go to college and I started working right away and I worked as like an assistant. And I think like I say this all the time, but I really do mean it. Like everything that I do, I'm basically just like a glorified assistant. Like even if I I have my own company or if I have whatever, I was just like a really good assistant. So I made me <laughs> a good producer and made me a good CEO or I think it does. Um But so I was noticing like a lot of like online content. Um, It was like Funny or Die was coming around and College Humor had been around, but there's like nothing really for women. So I was a producer on um, the MTV show The Hills and The City. And I was like, I feel like I don't really know how to fit to go into scripted, but I really like because like The Hills was like really funny for us. Like we would laugh all the time, even though it was like a reality soap opera. Um, It was funny. It was really funny. We had like a lot of fun editing it and we just, it was just like a good time. So I was like, how do I like transition this? So I was like, oh, I think I want to start a funnier die for women. So it didn't really like start off as that. Um, that was my intention. I set my intention for a funnier die for women. I met my business partner, um, uh, Molly McAleer and I met Zoe Deschanel and we were like, sort of all had the same vibe that we wanted to do it. Um, Molly had a background of like the contributor model, which is basically what we are now. Like she was freelance writing for a lot of websites um, and realized that like people want to get hired to contribute. Um, If you, it's like the best model if you don't have initial money because you can like, yeah, overhead down. 
Yeah, and now a lot of like more established magazines and stuff are really using the model. And for us, like, are, we have over like two thousand contributors. We have like a solid because um, we have so much content a day. We have like a solid seventy-five. But like, I love it when our writers like also write for Glamour or Refinery. Like, it's just more work. You can write like a million posts a day. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's not like I don't feel like territorial over that or anything. Um, if anything, it probably helps spread your brands. Yeah, I think like it's clear like. Zoe's messaging was like she really wanted to be she was afraid of the internet so she really wanted it to be like positive and not take down pieces like we don't review we just like are fans of things we don't um yeah it's just like it was supposed to be like a safe place on the internet that we felt like didn't exist um and safe place it sounds like twofold not only for people coming to read but also for the contributors yeah I think it was the idea was that like Zoe was afraid to express herself online without negativity. So it was like, what is like the cause and effect if like you are writing a thing that you just like really love this TV show? Like, it's like weird if you make weird comments in it because you're like, well, I'm just saying I like something. So like, it's like, there's like creating the space where like, if you're just positive and like truly a fan of something or like, I don't love the word authentic, but like that was like a big part of our early messaging. Um, If you're just like organically excited I think that like that attracted people who were really excited so like when people say like the internet is so mean I'll it's like challenging for me because like we have a really great community and they really like very positive yeah it's very positive and they like police each other like sometimes they'll be like that's not very hello giggles and I'll be like well I'm hello giggles I'll like I'll let you know But, (laughs) but like I think they definitely now let me know like what something feels like that um so it started out of my apartment for like the first two years, maybe like longer than it needed to be. But <laughs> I think you just like don't know when you're supposed to not be there anymore. Um, but yeah, that's like the start of it. And then it really is like community driven uh, to this day. Like our contributors are basically staff writers. We've tempted to have our contributors be staff writers, um, but we have over 16 million like uniques a month. So it's like a broad audience. Um, so the subjects of it, like what worked for us is like body image, entertainment, wellness, uh, but like a certain approach to it. Like we're not an expert. We're your friends that suggest like things that we're interested in. And so if you happen to like align yourself with that, great. But there's no like expert. That was like a big thing for us. So it's a safer environment then where nobody felt like they were being told necessarily what to do. Yeah, I think I think safe probably has a different meaning in like this time now, but back then it was more just like allowing like the space to express yourself. Like, I don't think we're as like safe anymore, but I know that, you know, there's a lot of places to go online to like read about politics now. Like our audience like just doesn't want that. And I, we can, we've tried it. There's narratives towards it. There's like a personal story, but you know, our traffic comes from sort of like, escapism or relatability not necessarily like current you know I mean entertainment like still helps and stuff like that but it's been really interesting like I as certain other publications like really get like niche on what their voice is like we're still really broad that's like a challenge though to be really broad because you can be the the girls girls like we always say like capable of many things you know and like when she's capable of many things it's like a hundred pieces a day of like information. Right. Like that's just a lot for anyone. So I really like people who like still read Hello Googles. I'm like, thank you. <laughs> I don't, I, I don't read the hundred pieces a day. I mean, that's I think we're at 120 now, but. Um, so talk to me about 
the fact I still can't get over the fact that you were in your 20s doing this because, you know, we, you and I have talked about this many times, not just about us, but so many people in their 20s really are just trying to figure out who they are. They're going through the, I find the 20s to be very emotional. Different people handle it differently. For some people, it's so emotional, it's paralyzing. For some people, it's just a more emotional time. And then I find what's so great about the 30s is everything you've learned about that, you really can actually put into action. So it's so fascinating that you were creating this incredible company that just kept growing. And then weirdly in your 30s is when you, it really grew, really took off. You've sold it. You structured it differently. How, how do you feel that like that arc for you of just being in your 20s into your 30s affected the, the business itself? Yeah. I mean, I think like, I mean, like the audience is 18 to 34 and I am 35. So I do feel like I capped out of our audience. And so I think that that is like its own mystery to like how I adapt towards it. But I started it at 28. It didn't really become anything till I was like 32 where the adults came. We were steady a million people a month, two million people a month. Like it paid my rent. I like made so many mistakes. Like I did all the things you're supposed to know as like an entrepreneur. Like I did all those things. And then (laughs) um, now in my 30s, like, I just, I, how I spend my, I was just like such an animal to get it done. Like in order to do it, I was just like always working and like, it's the internet, like never goes to sleep, you know, like it's like always on. And like, I was just constantly just really, really, really exhausted myself to it, to the point where I'm so proud. I'm, I'm so proud. And I'm so proud that like, even though I might have, I'm still there, you know, but I've, checked out in certain areas it's still it's like what you want for your baby like to be able to like run itself like our editors are amazing our contributors are amazing like nothing what I thought would like at one point in my life fall apart if I wasn't there it might have you know probably at that time like now like they're just like hi like happy to see me like they don't really like it doesn't matter relief for you because it is a lot of pressure I mean like you said if you're in that hamster wheel and you're going 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 yeah that hard it's a lot it's a lot of pressure but I think Honestly, the biggest challenge that no one talks about is after you sell your company. Because it's like, I used to worry a lot about money. My parents like had and didn't have money. And I just was like very independent. And once you like, I don't need a lot too. So it's not like, oh, I made so much money. But I made, um, I earned like enough to like, I'm fine. And there is no worries. And like now, like how I spend my time like has to be a value. Like I have to actually like, I think I don't have the energy in whatever I do next to like fight and struggle. Like you really have to have like blinders on to start your first company. Like you have to just be like kind of like not against the world because I never felt that, but just like energized by every conversation. Like every person you talk to takes you to another intro, to another thing. And like that's in its own way, like super exhausting, but it's like really amazing. But I don't now that I'm like 35 and I'm like, sold my company. I'm like, wait, what? Like now what do I do? Like, how do I apply that? Like I want to work and I want to be a part and have purpose. Like how Google has such a purpose and like, I'm, I can see its purpose. I just don't know now where that purpose. Look, I can completely relate to that. It's, there is something about when you're starting a company, I've called it before, it's survival mode. And it's not a bad thing because you are so excited and ener- like hopefully you're energized and excited about what you're doing and creating and growing. But sometimes when you look back on it, you're like, 
oh my God, you just can't believe how much you've given of yourself because you do get into a zone. So I can only imagine now that you're saying, what do I want to do next? But I love the fact that you said, I want to have purpose because you're right. Hello Giggles has a lot of purpose. I want to have purpose, but yet I also want to be mindful of taking care of yourself, it sounds like, that you you don't want to necessarily spin the wheels. You want to do it in a way that's very meaningful to you. Yeah. I mean, I think like if you don't have the pressure of like the big goals that I had before, like once we sold and we were in this time ink is like such an established place and like that validated us like structurally and financially that now... I don't want to take that same energy it took me before to build my next thing. Like so I it's like giving you a sense of freedom. Freedom, but like it's kind of like you go the opposite way. Like I'm like acupuncture, yoga, like meditation. And I'm like, how many things you have to like reheal your body to not, you know, like that's just those are the kind of conversations that I think that like obviously it's important to be ambitious. Like I just like I don't regret doing that. Like it's a beautiful thing that like the results were great. It's just like when I look back on it, I look back on it differently than like someone else's perception of it. I look at it and see like how tired I was and like how, like how many times I would like anxious and cried. And like, there's like a beauty in knowing that like, I will probably never feel that way again, just because I will never put yourself in that position, put myself in that position. And like, that's kind of how you get to like honor yourself in the next round of something like if you're an entrepreneur you're always one you know you don't yeah you're you're always evolving you're not your ideas yeah I'm not gonna like not have a company again I just don't know what that is and I know that like I can see myself like thinking like now that I'm in my 30s that the energy that it took to do that in my 20s just like doesn't exist anymore and it's fine it's just like I'm no longer that version so and we're always changing but that's so interesting so talk to me about since I've known you, you've always been a seeker, someone who's very spiritual, in touch with herself, and look, but also looking, like always looking at how to evolve and how to grow. Do you feel, and I met you after you started Hello Giggle, so do you feel like that's something that you've always had in you, or that did that develop because of all this that you're talking about, a little bit of this stress and needing to find the outlet or how to take care of yourself? Um, it definitely, I've always been a seeker but like without the time put into it, like curious for sure. Um, but kind of looking for the easy way out in like a lot of ways. Like I'd be like, oh, I'll meet with like a psychic or I'll do something and not like actual, like take time out of my day to do something. Um, but I think it hit a wall with Hello Giggles at a certain point where you're just like, it was growing so fast and the things like you learn every time at a different stage, what you're not good at. And like, people don't like to say it and because you want to say you're good at everything. But like, I'm very comfortable in being like, me too. I just like actually don't know that. And like, I, there's a, it's like empowering to not know something, but like, you still then have to like figure out how to do it. So a lot of the like, (laughs) yeah. So I started keeping Shabbat. I'm Jewish. And I really, like, I had a family friend who was doing it. And I just was like, I need to disconnect. Like I'm online all the time. I'm like constantly answering emails, like in the middle of the night. And, you know, it, so from Friday night to Saturday night, I turn my phone off and I, um, I don't do work. Um, but that was a start and that actually like really gained the respect of the people around me because like my time felt more valuable. So now you can't just reach me at any time. I won't just bother you at any time. Cause I have a thought on my mind. Like, I'm just like, was I was like, 
less reactive and I got to fully recharge. Like the second I turned my phone off Friday night, my body physically, like, I feel like it just like drops into like this different dimension. And it's so nice. I TM, I do transcendental meditation twice a day. Um, as much as I can, I definitely make one, but like probably 80% of the time I make two. Um, I do it at the office all the time. They like think it's so funny, um, <laughs> but they can tell. I do. Start, I'm starting to feel like transcendental meditation, though. My afternoon one, if I don't take it, I'm like can't keep my eyes open. Like it's tricked my body into like it's like a power nap without like sleeping. Ne- yeah, but it's like a necessity in a way that I'm like, whoa. Like now my well, meditation is very energizing. People don't realize that. Yeah, yeah. Like I feel it. Like my neural pathways like open on it. Um, but yeah, so I had to because, and it came from like a really, um, big breakdown, but like, you know, I'm grateful for it now, but yeah, I was so anxious and I just had like a lot of, um, I've never felt as like scared as I did. And so then I remember one time you were telling me recently that, and you've kind of just hinted at it, that you, you were always seeking, but now you're trying to really look inward. And how do you feel like that's working? Like, I remember you saying something, and I was like really proud of you. And it was so beautiful. You said, I know I have the answers in here. So instead of going, like you just mentioned, to the psychics, not that there's anything wrong with that, if that's what people yeah, want to no, do. Yeah, I love a psychic. Yeah, me too. Love <laughs> but love that, I love that you were saying, I want to start trusting my own instincts and trusting who I am. Do you, how has that been going for you? And do you feel like all this work you're talking about is working towards that? Yeah, it definitely aligns. I mean, I think I'm really capable of having a really great instincts in work. And then like now I am like trying to make that 360. It's like instincts in other aspects of my life. And I think we, I think I went to this place, Hoffman Institute, which was really amazing. And a lot of their meditations were guided meditations. And I'm not a visual person. Like I don't do well. People are like, imagine like a crystal ball. I'm just like, my brain is just doesn't do it. And for some reason they had all these meditations that were like, I did one the other day, actually, like your spirit guided path. And I was like, how did I even make up a person that is a spirit guide? Like it was just so my brain was capable of so many different things that I was like so excited. So I do think that stillness creates creativity, which in my normal life, I would say, I'm very productive. I'm very smart. Like I'm all, I'm not like saying anything negative, but I wouldn't be like, I'm creative, you know, like that doesn't come to mind, but in my meditation or in these meditations, I like can see that I'm creative, you know? And so I think that balance, like figuring out the bridge to that, because in my subconscious, I have creativity. It just in my day-to-day like patterns. You aren't acknowledging that. They just aren't the tools that like get me ahead presently or like that's necessarily like once you get your company to a certain level it's like you're a manager you know more than you are like the creative director so looking back like on your childhood like because I love I love this topic what qualities are you seeing emerge now like if you're realizing you're creative can you look back and actually be like oh as a kid I was a little creative and I just put it away or are there certain things about who you were back then that you're starting to actually realize are still who you are. Yeah. I think I'm more playful than I like thought I was. I think that I, um, that's like another thing too, is like, if you're an assistant or a producer or a CEO, like you don't always get to like play the role of like, like girls will be crying in my office. And like, I can ask a question and be like, are you okay? But like, I can't really like take that on. It's not appropriate. So I don't, feel when it was out of my apartment 
it was like all these relationships were super meaningful and like we were all so close. And then, you know, then you get to like five employments and yeah. then 10 and 15 and then 50. And it's like, it's just like, it's not appropriate for your CEO to be like, how was your date? You know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. like, we have HR now. Like, I can't, <laughs> like, it's not an option. But Two doors down, please. <laughs> but that alienates you from like a certain part of your personality where I do love to connect. So I think that that is like, um, I was an only child till I was 13. So I actually like, and now realizing like, I'm a lot more playful. I'm a lot more independent. I'm a lot more like need, like my time, you know, which is what been really nice about figuring out new things that I like, like exercise now, you know, like I didn't, I felt like before that, but I like playing in certain things, like a dance class or certain ways. But yeah. And do you feel like some of that is the stillness you recalling that? Yeah, I think I was in my head a lot as a kid in a way that I was okay with. Like, I was happy about it. But that I think that I also have a skill set to be really, like, social. And so I confuse that with, like, part of my personality. So I'm a lot less social as an adult. But I like that. Like, I'm going back to being more, like, quieter. Hey, sorry to interrupt. I want to talk about our next Dentox Live. We are so unbelievably lucky. We have Sean Korn. She was one of the first internationally celebrated yoga teachers. You know how we know everybody on IG now? She was literally one of the first that everyone started talking about. And she is just known for activism. She actually started off the mat and into the world. And since 2007 has taught so many leaders of activism to bridge the gap of injustice around the world. She's incredible. She sells out wherever she goes. So this interview is going to be great. It's January 24th. That's a Thursday night at 7 p.m. Don't forget get what comes with that. I promise it'll be an in-depth conversation. Also a Q&A for you guys to have your own chance to talk to her and a personal practice. And don't forget, when she practices, she sells out. So this is a really unique opportunity. And per usual, we'll have some wine and cheese, snacks and drinks afterwards so we can all mingle and just like hang out. This is incredible. I can't express how lucky we are to have her. I hope to see you there. It's so interesting you say that because I had that moment with myself because I'm also very social and I love connecting. And I think that's how you and I actually yeah. connected because we both enjoy connecting. And I remember there were those moments where all of a sudden people were like, you become such a hermit sometimes. And I was like, I do. And it was me actually learning to acknowledge I need that too. Like sometimes I just need to disconnect and I really just don't want to even speak or talk. And I just kind of want to sit there, whatever that means for me. So I find that sometimes you don't acknowledge that that's part of your personality because it's so much who you are actually connecting with people. You don't realize you need to connect with yourself, which is sometimes quiet. Yeah. And I think being good at something doesn't mean that that necessarily like who you are. Right. You know? like, or that it's all of you. Yeah. And I don't feel that I, I don't fully feel, I'm not sure, but I don't think I get recharged by other people. I think that some people get recharged, not in like a narcissist way. I think people get recharged by me, but I don't need people to recharge well, me. This I need like, like you to recharge uh, you. Oh, I need like some sort of like higher power or some sort. Like I need something bigger than like a human. You, you're like literally bringing me to one of the questions I wanted to chat with you about. You are a phenomenal friend. You are. I mean, that's, oh, thank you. no, but you are, you're always there for people. I know that. You. Oh, thank you. But I mean, you've been there for me, but also I see what you do for others and I see how people go to you all the time. And I see how you remember so much about people. You check in with people. It's exactly what you're saying right now. You can, you're that for others. People probably really glean a lot of energy from you. You give off a really, you give people such great attention. I think people can't pull energy and it makes them feel the best versions of themselves, which is a huge compliment. But along the lines of what you're saying, and it's interesting, it feels like you've started to think about this. How do you feel about that? Like, does it drain you? 
Is it, how, what do you think of friendship? What does friendship mean to you? Um, it used to really drain me when I felt overextended and also work because I think that like that became blurry with like contrib- friends were contributors and all that. Now I enjoy the growth of like the boundary of it. Like I love being a good friend, you know, and I, I, I love being clear what I need from friendships. But really, I think for me, I just like shared experiences are big for me. Um, feeling like I have like peers, but like for me, a peer is like an emotional peer. Like it's not necessarily like we're in like the same work situation because I have a lot of people, you know, that I work with that I can talk to, you know, it's just feeling that comfort in that. But yeah, I don't know. I think I like lean on myself a lot more and I like that. So I like not feeling like I need people to be recharged by. I, I'm honored to be able to like feel connected to people and like, I don't want to say like be of service. It's like not the way, but like just be, I have a really good memory, but I have a really good emotional memory. So like I can read the room really well. And sometimes that like superpower has felt like really painful. Like I used to cry all the time. Like my empathy levels were just like so difficult. But I think business changes you where you're just like, no, I can't. It's not appropriate for me to cry. Like it's not, I mean, it's appropriate to cry, but to make it, I think I would use my sensitivity and it ended up being like a negative thing for me. So how do you feel like you started creating these boundaries for yourself of knowing, because that's what you were saying is you now understand the boundaries when you need to recharge for yourself. How do you feel like, when did you start creating those boundaries and how? Like what started that for you? And then how did you implement that without hurting some relationships? Uh, Well, I do think boundaries are a luxury because I do think, I mean, they're a necessity, but it's a luxury to be able to say like, I won't do something, especially in a work scenario or, um, but I think keeping Shabbat was a big one because it was like the first step in like, I'm not available to like whenever. Friend or business. Yeah. To any level person in my life, family, like I've chosen something. Um, but yeah, the last few years and it's kind of like been evolving since like I still definitely will feel like, why did I commit to that? Like, you know, like sort of vibe, but overall I don't feel like a fear. And I think that's like what I kind of lived with before was that I was overextending myself and then like feeling spirally. And it's so interesting because you created this business. I'm sure at some point there was fear. You said you had anxiety, but yet you kept plowing forward. So you had the ability in that side of your life to just ignore fear or say, yes, I'm scared, but who cares? I'm going to go do it. But yet it was, you had more trouble in your personal side of your life with fear. No, I mean, I like, there was a point in Hello Giggles where I remember telling like the lawyers like you can just take this away from me like it was awful and they were like no because if you leave like you could it was like all these things that were meant to be but I was definitely like protected by something bigger because I was scared I wasn't it wasn't that I was scared enough I was just exhausted and I was like maybe this is not for me you know and like then it showed its reason why you know like I had to obviously have like personal strength to learn something about myself but no, fear was like a big thing. I'm not saying I'm not fearful now, but I feel like self-contained and I feel like things are always manageable. Like right. I'm very You can acknowledge the fear, but it doesn't take over. Yeah, like it exists and like I'll figure it out. And it's like I figured out like a very challenging part of my life. And I also saw myself like go so 
low. Like I wanted to like die. And now I'm like, I wanted to die over this company. That's crazy. You know, (laughs) but now I can see like how real it felt to me or like what it was about other things. But it felt so real. You know, I really like, and I just wanted like that fear to die. Not necessarily like you, me, but I did like, it was confusing. But I mean, it's amazing now that you can look back and consciously make the choices. Now what you were saying when we started, yeah, that is not okay for me. Yes. But I think I have the luxury to do so because financially I don't have that worry. And I think that's probably a bit, I mean, not that it's no, but that's an interesting topic actually of What do people out there do who, as you're saying, they might be stuck in a crappy job or a job, but it pays the bills and they need to get it done, but it's maybe not emotionally great for them. What what do we think they do to start emotionally taking care of themselves? I mean, you're right. It's, it's, it's a lovely to have the cushion to be able to make some choices. I, I think wellness is not accessible to everyone. I think there's probably small things you can do, you know, with mindfulness and meditation and and yoga I'm like I think there's ways to apply the luxuries that like we have to someone who's going through a challenging time but I don't think in general it's like at arm's length you know and it's it's also a perception like I do think why self-help books and like they're exploding they're exploding and they're you know and they're for a reason like perspective can change you like so quickly yeah and It's it's just actual circumstances are not as easy to like power through. And so I'm very clear on how grateful I am. So you mentioned something about emotional peers and that you've realized the difference of what an emotional peer is and just a peer peer has, have you been surprised by certain emotional peers? Like, have you looked over and realized someone was an emotional peer that maybe you didn't perceive such before or like by changing your perspective, have there been surprises good or bad? Yeah. I mean, I, one of my best friends owns Click Media who does like who, what, where, and um, they have like a line at Target and she's awesome. Um, And she's all, the joke with her is that like everyone, their fashion website, um, everyone in her office is like very serious and they like have on like, and I literally wear my gym clothes or, you know, we like do like, yeah, we make like silly putty DIY videos, you know, like it's like a different business. Uh, But she's really has a very strong boundary and she's just such an authority and she doesn't freak out if someone like it's a huge position in your company quits like she's like all right we'll just like these are the next steps of it and that actually is an emotional peer for me because I don't respond to like drama or anxiety or like that actually doesn't feel like a good boss to me, you know? So I love seeing that where I'm like, no, that's who she's a peer, but it's also someone I admire where she just like handles it, you know, like a huge position will like leave her office and she's like, all right, what are the next steps? And it's like that attitude saves the situation. Cause of course it's like upsetting. Like before I would like freak out or like, but like change if someone that was really important in my business, like had to leave or now I'm just like, all right, well, that's what's happened. It's like, let's just do the next step. It's like nice. It's like that. So that why that's why it feels more like a peer. Yeah, it is. I mean, I know I do it here too. You have to, I always say there's always a fire. There's yeah. always a fire somewhere. So you have to be able to like, just ride it out because otherwise you'd be like paralyzed constantly with like fear of how it's going to change. But I don't actually don't do. think there is always a fire. That's the thing is like, I think there's a, there's a phase in your company where there's always a fire and that's like where you get, your adrenaline and you get all that and like 
now, which is the other part of having a company is like, sometimes your company just exists. Like how those just exist. It's great. It does well. We're fine. Like there isn't like, yes, the other day I was like, let's figure out what our next like big win is. Because after you sell, you're like, well, what is it? Is it, like, ex- now? Is it an experiential event? Or But like the wins are just like in like addition to things that already have happened. Like nothing is wrong. And that's actually a big part of my like full behavior to realize is that like it, there is actually nothing wrong. Like so it's nice to just – but that's like there's a lot of discomfort in that. For you. For other people because I think it's like – I mean, my company's gotten used to it, but I think I've had people, I've had employees who are like, don't know what to do when there's not like a fire. And it's like, you can recreate those constantly if you need if to. If you want to, if it yeah. feels Yeah, and you. it's like, what if we just, we're fine, you know? So how do you, how do you counteract that? If you have that employee who you can tell is a little bit of a, uh, I don't need indulge the drama. it. I don't, in, like, I, I like, that's the part where they're like, oh, like her like spiritual side is, I'm like, no, I refuse to give it like, that energy. I can't. I actually can't let myself go there because I've gone so extreme in it that I'm like, no, I'm not. This isn't like a real problem. So what are some of the ways you have brought like spirituality to the company? And I don't even mean like on the nose, like obviously you meditate every day, but just as far as you work at the place is all about positivity. I mean, that's what you're promoting and putting out there. How have you infused that into just the work environment? I would say like the freedom to self like determine their schedules they are I mean we don't do vacation days that are like so specific like they can yeah um just like empowering people like they're the voice of our company so I think like letting people have a voice and feel like they can communicate with each other and self-policing and and stuff but I guess the spiritual part is like it's more like we have fun you know like a lot of the videos of the content they're making that is like a lot of tutorials and a lot of DIY and that creates like a really fun environment. Like everyone's like constantly trying like edible lipstick or like there's like always this like life that exists within the company that I think feels spiritual because they're like happy. So do you get to like try a bunch of stuff? Are yeah, they're constantly like doing like acting a Facebook out behind live. the scenes. Oh, yeah, yeah, and they do a lot of like you know crafts that like make the office. <laughs> yeah, like editorials always like forced to be in some video crafts that like they don't want to um so you mentioned earlier that you're jewish and you take shabbat off how do you reconcile or are they one and the same for you your judaism and spirituality they're definitely the same but um i think that you know because i do transcendental meditation that's not spiritual it's actually a nice relief for me cuz i feel like it is sometimes exhausting to be so spiritual so i like that like my brain just shuts down on transcendental meditation whereas like i think that i'm curious about mindful meditation i just i think it would distract me too much you know i think i'm not that's not for me. So yeah. So you I should think- try it though. Cause it is all about learning how to handle the distractions. It's not about like taking them out of your mind. It's yeah, about- totally. Yeah. No, I'm op- I actually lately have been feeling open to it. I was going to, um, take a class here and get a better idea. I mean, it's interesting too, just because we were, we were just all talking about before too, how what you crave and need in order to keep growing does change also. Yeah. Like, it can I be- have been feeling like they just feel like naps now, but, um, <laughs> Now I'm like, oh, it would be nice to like 
open up a little and see. Try something. Yeah. yeah. Different skills, different teachers, different. It's always nice to figure out because different phases of your life, yeah. you need different things or. I definitely feel like wanting to explore that. Oh, good. Um, but so with your Judaism, you find that, do you find that you've, have you always been very like, I, have you always identified really strongly with your Judaism or is that something that has evolved that throughout later in life? Like I'm more, I felt more traditionally Jewish, like culturally my mom's French Moroccan. So it was like big Shabbats and holidays. Um, but I think ritual like, and, um, I, for me, spirituality, it's not for everyone. And I think this is what people don't like about religion, but it's what I crave and love. I love discipline. I love like something that I, you know, I try to like take on something every year, whether it's like the Shema before bed or, you know, I keep kosher, like something I love. I love that discipline. You know, it makes me feel connected, but I think some people don't respond to that in the same way, but I was never forced to. So it's a choice, you know? So I love like having the choice to do that. So what is right now, what is your, what's your daily practice then as far as even Judaism? What's the thing that you've taken on? I um, don't eat unkosher meat. I like do a prayer before bed and right when I open up my eyes, which is like symbolic to me because I think that like the gesture I would make before would be go to my phone. So, and then I wash my hands like right away when I wake up because like there's a energetically a Kabbalist that says that like when you go to sleep at night, like your soul raises above you. So when you need to like wash your hands, like right away from what your like subconscious was processing at night. And I just like feel a difference where like, I don't really remember my dreams and I'm like happy about it. Cause I'm like, whatever I needed to process, God is happening, God right. is happening, but I don't need to like take it in with me in my day. Um, so I do that. And then I read, um, I study probably like 15 minutes a day. What so, are you studying? I like Torah study a lot. I really love like the history of it. I love, because um, I didn't go to college, it feels like school, you know, in a fun way that also has like layered meetings and like these super ancient stories have just. And is it self-study? Yeah. I mean, I really love Chabad um, and they have like a, a certain like three things that you do a day. So you like read Judaism has like a lot of like a timeline that works throughout the day. So there's like daily things that are you're supposed to read like the certain Tehillim of the day and the Torah portion of the day and Tanya. So I read that. I read those three every day. It takes me like 15 minutes. Do you do it? Is, do you do it the same time every day or just whenever you can no, fit it No, just in? before sundown. That's great. I'll find a time. It's, there's an app on my phone and I do it. And is your family, are you, are you guys kind of all at the same, I don't know how else to say it, level of Judaism? No, or? we're, um, we're all very different. Yeah. But yeah, and when you do Shabbat, is that with your family? Who do you do Shabbat with every Friday? I do. I switch it up. Like probably go to my family once a month and friends and or I have people over. I Sometimes I'm like so tired. I want to do it alone. Like it just really like. But you observe no matter what. No matter what, I turn my phone off. Um, my level of observance has like swayed over the years. I like I know I have a goal of what I want to be, but I drive now. Um, so if let's say a good friend of yours has a birthday party on Friday, are you going or are you staying home? I honestly weigh it into like how it'll affect me spiritually. If it's like at a restaurant, I'm just not feeling like I won't, I won't do it. Like I had a friend who had a barbecue this weekend on Saturday. I was just like, no, it doesn't feel like very Shabbat for me. But like, 
if it's like someone's like intimate birthday at their house, like that feels nice. Like, I don't know. I just like weigh what I think that'll feel like for me. Um, it's super like clear that it's what I'll feel comfortable because it doesn't have like a map of like what the law is, you know? And so how has this affected, do you feel like now you're, you're, you've stepped back a little bit from the business, you have a little bit more peace. What do you think you want to do? I know that's part of your thing, but are you doing new things? What's going on? Like, do you have relationships? Do you spend more time with your family? I'm like in a very unknown space. So I, and I'm okay with it. Like I'm like, Sometimes it's exciting. Yeah. I, I definitely don't feel like I'm suffering, you know, I, I, but I think that something will open up. Like I didn't like plan to start Hello Giggles. It like showed itself. So I'm just leaving the space for what the next thing is, like in all areas, like my next home, my next relationship, my next business, like all things feel like possible, you know? So I'm just, I think it's starting to feel exciting. I think before it felt like, first to start accepting that that's what it is. And that's now where I'm at. Where, um, what do you feel like, if you were talking to people, what would be the most surprising thing about you? Um, I guess like how quiet I really am. You know, I think I'm capable of being social and like navigating a conversation and like asking the right questions and truly being interested. But I think that I am, like, actually a really quiet, introspective person. And do you feel like you've always known that? No, I don't think I knew it. But now I'm, like, very leaning into it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and like accepting my, it. Yeah. So do you feel like you're just home more by yourself than you used to be? I mean, we talked about it a little bit earlier, but do you— Yeah, I think I'm definitely home more, but I'm definitely, um, like, the joke within my friends is, like, I'm like exhausted from all the self-care I do. (laughs) You know, I'm like, now I'm doing rolfing and now I'm like doing acupuncture. I'm like, I think the wellness space is like a very big new business model in general. Like when I look at- And you've always been one to try. Totally. And now I think it's like, how do I apply that into like my next business? But I definitely see with people like you and like certain other people who are starting companies, I'm like, oh, this is really interesting that like what my interests are, like might end up being my next company. I don't know what that is, but I know that like it'll evolve to that. If like, if it's easy for me to have a conversation with you talking to you about work, like, and I enjoy coming here and I enjoy um, the types of people who come here, like, what does that look like next? So I think, I think I'm just taking the summer to really like take a summer. Like I've never had a real summer. And then in the fall school year, (laughs) kind of apply that to some sort of structure. Isn't it funny how we always operate on a school year? Yeah. Like, it's just so ingrained that no matter yeah. what, it's like September, you feel like, okay, what's new? Yeah. What am I starting? And you start to peter out in, like, the spring and, and the summer. Well, it's also the Jewish holiday of New Year's. Also. So, yeah. So, I, I'm, it falls I'm, double. Yeah, I'm making that my new year. But I do feel like no matter what, your brain kind of always looks at it that way. Like, even when I'm scheduling stuff here— I'm like, oh, people are back, and now they want to. You just feel yeah. like everyone kind of still operates. Well, people with then the school have schedule. kids, so then they still just always use school schedule. Even when you don't have kids, you're still like, it's summer. the summer feels like play. What's the new thing we're gonna do? What's the yeah. new thing that's gonna happen this summer? Yeah. And then the fall always feels like, okay, time to get right back into it. I like that. I like that structure, though. Yeah, me too. I love having a structure in that yeah. sense, especially in LA where there's like really no seasons. To me, that at least helps me give me some there benchmarks. Truly is no seasons. Yeah, yeah, none at all. So it does. So let's talk about, I love the fact that you didn't go to college. Was that a conscious choice? Um, well, 
Kind of. I mean, I, I sort of avoided, I like said I would sign up for Santa Monica College. I said I would go like eventually to USC. Like I just like. When you said that, what do you mean? To yourself or to your parents? To my parents. Or, okay. Yeah. And my mom um, is uh, French Moroccan and didn't go to college. So she wasn't like really aware of like the rules of like signing up and stuff. So I definitely like manipulated that. I really wanted to work. I knew that like right away I wanted to like earn my own money and stuff. Um, and now I'm like, should I go back to school? Like I would love to take classes and I would love to have that, the luxury of like education. Well, frankly, I feel like this is the best time to do it. I always said if I could go back to college now, I would actually retain and remember because at that age you're, you're learning, but also so much of it is social, not even whether you're a social person or not. It is just learning social skills and being part of something. And you don't even know what you like yet or what you want. Oh my God, if I could go to school now and study what I know would actually interest me, the amount I'd be reading and devouring and be asking questions and just be more present in it would be amazing. Yeah. My best friend, Nicole, you know, she's always saying like, they should have like, what is it like? Rumspringa? Like the year where you can just like do whatever you want. It's like, you should have that for college at like 35. Cause like she feels the same way. Like I'm like, I don't remember anything, anything. I don't remember like, and she has like, a daughter that comes home from school she's like I don't know any of the homework she's doing I was like yeah I get it I know you relearn everything it's like oh yeah. wait, that happened in history but yeah. now they also do math really weird so it's a whole thing yeah but, but that would be amazing and you are it's so interesting because you are such a seeker you do try you've always want to know I mean it's what I've always loved about you so even if you decide later not for me or I'm exhausted from it you're always curious yeah you've always I think been I, a curious I person taking some classes um but I think it would be like in urban, oh sorry, it would be in um, urban planning. I really like the way like city structures stuff, like it, and communities are built. I built a community online. Like I'm yeah. definitely now, whatever I do next needs to be something tangible. Now, That's, if you told yourself graduating high school that you'd be interested in that, do you think you would agree? I'm sure like there would be a version of me that'd be like, oh, I could see that. Like, I don't feel like I've like changed so much in my personality. I just have like, really like accepted certain parts of myself that are more present. Well, we talk about that all the time, how so much of the journey being easier is when you learn to just accept all sides of you, good, but yeah. whatever's perceived as good and whatever's perceived as bad. When you accept it, everything just starts to run a lot smoother. Yeah. And even if it's like not as clear what the outcome is, I'm just like, oh, I don't like suffer. So I'm fine. And you trust it more because you're like, I'm going to be fine. Right. I'm not suffering. So wherever this goes, it's okay. Versus before the outcome to find everything. But what would you say? Do you have a best worst day? Um, My best day is usually Shabbat. It's Saturday and I'm off. Um, And my worst day... I don't really have worst days anymore, but do you remember worst day in history? Like something you're Ugh, I like don't even want to remember. Um, <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, I think it was like a blessing and a curse, but when we were selling the company, it'd be like the deal's off, the deal's on. Like it was just like every day. It was so it took six months and like you're just constantly getting broken up with and back together. <laughs> well, you're getting like fed information to then tell the bankers and the lawyers. It's just like another world. It's not like your fun website company. It's like right. you're dealing with like very. And so you want to get to that next level, but you're like, this is so not what yeah, I created. I'd be like, why am I a puppet? Like what is happening right now? But it was worth it. But I definitely at a certain point was like, 
this is, could go or not go. I don't know. That's so hard. Well, this has been amazing. I have Thank a few you. like really quick questions to ask yeah, you yeah, can bang out because I think what's been amazing about this interview is just your raw honesty, especially about having a company and like how difficult it can be and how even though it's amazing, there are sides of it that you've learned from. And I think that can actually really help a lot of people. But in the world of what we do, is there a book that you could recommend that's been something, whether it's spiritual or not, but something that's been like a life's source for you? Um, I would say the most recent book I read was, um, even though I've been keeping Shabbat for, was The Sabbath, the Abraham Herschel book. Mm-hmm. Have you ever read it? I have not, but it's I've heard so, of it. so, the way they described Shabbat was just about like a, um, a lesson in time, like how like you're like allowing time to to sort of pause. And it was really beautiful. So I'll probably. I love that actually. That, and I yeah. think that would help a lot of people who just have. It doesn't have to be Jewish. Either. Right. It's people like, who yeah. are curious even about what is going on at yeah, different levels. I think everyone could use like a sabbatical. From all of, and I think you kind of answered this in the interview, but of all of these self-help things that you've done and sought after, like which one do you feel like really resonates with you the most? Um, my daily practice of Judaism for sure. But when I went, um, TM, I think is useful. Like I know I, I, I get something out of it, but I think, uh, when I went to the Hoffman Institute, that was like really like getting to the core of like what you're breaking patterns. And that was like a big thing for me to realize that like, you're not your patterns. And I was like, Oh, great. There's such a freedom in that. Huge freedom. And is there a teacher or someone that you look to, whether it be online, through podcasts, through books? I love Tara Brock. Love. Amazing. Love her so much. Um, I love her RAIN, that acronym. It's mm-hmm. like recognize, allow, investigate, and nurture. No, that's all mindfulness. Yeah. So I mean, I think I, you might be ready yeah, for some. Yeah. That might be your next shift. I love that. So I think I use that um, a lot. Um, but yeah, Tara Brock, I think, is the best. And is there a movie or a documentary that has moved you or affected you? And again, it doesn't have to be spiritual. I don't know on that. I mean, I would honestly be like what I felt shaped my personality the most was like Beverly Hills now too. <laughs> so I don't feel like. I get it. Yeah, I grew up with spiritual. that too. Yeah. I was the same age as them. So it was always amazing to watch because we literally went through high school together, went through college oh, together. So we were fun. literally the same. It was except they repeated once. So whenever they got on to my age, we always went through it. Oh, that's so fun. Yeah. So it was yeah. fun to watch. This has been so great. I love you. I'm so proud Thank you. Of you. I really do feel like you gave so much useful information for people. I hope so. But I also know that, like, it's definitely this podcast. If we do it in a year, I'll be, like, a fully different. But, but that's what this whole point yeah. is about. And yeah. I'll have you back on in a year so you can talk about it. Um, I'm so grateful for this space. Thank you. I I'm love grateful you. for you. Love you. One of my favorite passages is Heart Talk. Poetic Wisdom for a Better Life by Cleo Wade. And one of the things she says, and I think about every morning, is she says, know the value in knowing your value. Ten Talks is produced by Mike Burns, Nicole Rappi, Reem Edon, and music is by Alex Fetter. If you haven't subscribed, please do. And also wherever you listen, please go and leave us a review. It's so greatly appreciated. It really does help us out. If you want to keep talking about all this stuff, please join our community on our secret Facebook page. Go to Facebook, search Den Talks Podcast, and join us there.